Good morning, everyone. Glad that you are here today. It's good to share this time of worship and praise with you. And uh, we welcome you, each and every one of you. We welcome our guests especially. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, our uh, youth are doing a fundraiser, and they're wrapping that up today. They are selling Vidalia onions. I think there are 10-pound bags of Vidalia onions for $10. And uh, there are sign-up sheets over on the table, or you can see Virginia Marseille. And I think the today closes it out, so we need to, to uh, have that done today. And I believe you need the, the money today. Is that right? Okay. So we, if you haven't settled up with Virginia, uh, then... Please do so today, and we'll get that taken care of. Uh, also, we're going to be uh, volunteering for um, the King's Kitchen, be serving lunch at the King's Kitchen on Tuesday. And, Sybil, I think you have an announcement about that. We do have all the volunteers in place, so if you volunteered for Tuesday um, down at King's Kitchen on Water Street, uh, I think we have everything we need except for... Pickles and onions. I have not had anybody volunteer for pickles and onions. Um, if you have volunteered to do beans, potato salad, cupcakes, pies, uh, please be sure to bring all that stuff to the church. Dr. Tim is going to bring cupcakes and pies. If you deliver, if you need to deliver it here, Dr. Tim will bring it over to King's Kitchen Tuesday. So, if you have any questions, give me a holler. Thank you, Sybil. That's a it's a wonderful ministry as we, uh, we serve our homeless friends uh, down at the King's Kitchen once a month. And, uh, and it's a great opportunity to, to share the love of Christ with them. Uh, also coming up in the next few weeks, uh, we'll be having our blood drive on May the 6th. Uh, so if you uh, have not uh, made an appointment for that, please see Jika and she'll uh, make an appointment for you to uh, give your blood. And also, our men's Sunday school class will be hosting a uh, cookout on May the 16th. This is kind of like our Sureway fundraiser. Uh, they will be uh, cooking uh, burgers and pork chops and chickens and whatever. And uh, this will, the proceeds of this will go towards replacing an air conditioning unit. We have an air conditioning unit that is, uh, that is out and cannot be repaired. It will cost more to re repair it than it would be to replace it. So we will be replacing that. Um, uh, but the problem is we need some money to do that. And so the, the men have been uh, generous enough to share their time and their efforts to uh, help us raise mon money to uh, replace this air conditioning unit. And we're hoping to get that done before it gets too hot. Where will that be? It will be here, right? Right here, yeah. So... Right at this location, May the 16th, and that's a Saturday. So, uh, Thank you so much for that. It's good to be busy about God's work, be, to be uh, uh, sharing the love of Christ with one another, sharing the love of Christ with our community. So let me invite you now to stand and let's sing our song of gathering, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name.
Please pray with me. Just a little good news, O oh Lord. That's all we ask. We've had enough of the bad news, headline after headline, announcing the latest tragedy or crime or disaster. We don't need the newspapers or the evening news to remind us that this world is full of sorrow and full of people who are so often cruel. We know that. We know from our own experience, our own tears have taught us our sleepless nights, our troubled souls. What we need, O oh Lord, what we hunger and thirst for is some reason to hope, some reason to believe that the headlines don't tell the whole story, some reason to believe that truth will triumph over lies and that love will outlast hatred and that life will prevail over death. Oh Lord, our hearts leap with joy at your announcement that the reign of God draws near. Repent and believe the good news. Grant us the courage to come to your side and join in your work, the work that you're doing in this world, to reclaim it for the purposes for which it was created. Be with us, O oh God. As we worship you today, may we feel your spirit move. Amen. Our responsive reading today is titled, Assurance. We celebrate good news. God is our strength and our song. God is our salvation. When we lock ourselves away in the upper rooms of our lives, Christ's presence comes to us with words of peace. The words that send us out of our hiding places spring to When believing does not come easily and we are more skeptical than faithful, Christ's presence come to us, comes to us with words of assurance. Words that transform our anxiety to comfort and turn our mourning into joyful dance. When tears cloud our eyes so we cannot see signs of resurrection, Christ's presence comes to us with words of hope. Our assurance is in Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Christ is risen.
Our scripture reading today comes from Luke chapter 11, verses, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Excuse me. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong in the world, just as I do not belong in the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, so that they may also be sanctified in the truth. This is the word of our Lord. Anybody? Oh, look, I got one taker. Do I have another one? Come on down, Sophie. Good morning. How are you all doing? You know, I was panic-stricken this morning. You want to know why? My wife springs on me. I have children's moment. I was like, like, So, guess what? I promised my wife I wouldn't embarrass her. I wouldn't make her angry. I couldn't do anything stupid. 
okay? I know this is tall tales. Hello? Come on. Life's too fun. You know? Well, anyway. I got a question for you guys. One question. Did you understand that? That reading? Did you understand it? <laughs> it was so difficult because I was panic-stricken. I looked in the, uh, in the thing here, and it says Luke 17, 11 through 19. And I'm like going, oh my gosh. So I was studying, actually, John 17, 11 through 19, and that's the one that he actually read. And I was like going, Whew. But that is a very, 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 very difficult reading to understand. I kind of look at it like this. Life, you don't have to really understand it, but you better count your blessings and understand those blessings and be very, very grateful. Okay? I was grateful to go to our men's Sunday school class. Well, I got a bad grade in Sunday school class, and I got kicked out. I got kicked out of Sunday school class, guys. That made me feel really bad. Speaking of grades, guess what? Do you think God would give you a grade? How would you like to have that report card? You know what? I think I have one for the CPC kids. A report card that says CBC Kids Report Card from God. Hmm. I don't know. Mark, do you think you would ever get a report card from God? Uh, maybe. I bet it wouldn't look as good as this. No, probably not. Maybe an A+. Look at there. Joy, you all got an A+. Peace, you get an A+. Kindness, you all get an A+. And love, you all get an A+. You want to know why? Because you are in Christ's light, the very beaming light that he trusts you. God loves you guys. Okay? God loves you guys so much. Bow your heads with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you very much for these wonderful children. May we grow up and be more Christ-like. Through these children, enlighten them, enrich us, and we trust you. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand, sing our offertory hymn.
pray with me, please? Dear God, amid all of this tragedy and sorrow that Dr. Tam talked about that we're hit with each day, we have so much to be thankful to you for. All of the many blessings that you give to each of us every day when we're sad and hurt and mourning, you comfort us. You see our needs and you provide for them. When we are weak and feel we can't go on any longer, you give us strength. And we thank you for all of these things. We also are thankful that we can gather here to worship you while those around the world are dying for their beliefs. And we feel so helpless, dear God, that we can do nothing to help them. As we bring our tithes and offerings, we ask that you will bless them and lead us to use them to spread your word and to help those in need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Did y'all know the, uh, notice the irony of what we just did there? All of you people out there were singing, standing on the promises while you were sitting on the premises. <laughs> there, there was a visiting preacher one time in a, a small uh, Appalachian town that was a, a bit concerned when he began the first night of a a revival meeting there, and he, the object of his concern was he, uh, he noticed that all of the men in the congregation were wearing guns, and this rattled him a bit, but, but he did the best that he could in his sermon, but when he was finished, his anxieties really soared because several of the men approached the pulpit with their guns drawn, and in a panic, he turned to the chairman of the deacon sitting next to him, and the deacon calmed his fears by saying, Don't you worry, none. They ain't coming after you. They're looking for the cuss that invited you to preach. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I guess sometimes a pastor needs a, a place to hide after a sermon. But at least none of you are packing heat, at least that I know of. There was a, a tragic but ironic story in the newspaper a few years ago it seems that a man in glendale california accidentally shot himself but what makes this story ironic is that he did it while he was explaining gun safety to his wife you see he thought that the 45 caliber pistol was unloaded when he pulled the trigger and his wife told the police that he was attempting to demonstrate to her that guns were safe after she complained about him having over 70 guns in all. Well, 70 guns does seem like a lot of guns. But you know what? We live in a scary world, don't we? We live in a scary world. And I, I don't know where you turn for protection from the dangers of the world. Whether to your faith, maybe you've got some kung fu going or something. Maybe you depend on your silver tongue or, or a weapon. Well, in today's lesson, John captures the, the last few days of Jesus' life and ministry here on earth. And in this chapter, Jesus prays for himself and his disciples. And I, I, I titled this sermon, The Real Lord's Prayer, because, you know, we, the, the prayer that we think about as the Lord's Prayer is, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy, thy name. And, and that's a beautiful prayer, and it's a wonderful prayer, but it's a prayer that Jesus used to teach his disciples how to pray, how to pray. But the prayer that we have here is an actual example of a prayer that Jesus prayed. It's not just an example. It's not a teaching model. It is something that he was praying for. And here in, in John 17, he prays for himself, but mostly he prays for his disciples. And basically he prays for three things for his disciples. He prays for their protection. He prays for their preservation. And he prays for their perseverance. So let's look, let's begin today by talking about Christ's prayer for their protection. After Jesus' resurrection and ascension, his disciples lived in a world in which it was dangerous to be one of his followers. 
And folks, I hope that you realize that you and I are so fortunate because we don't face that kind of persecution as that. That persecution that they faced in those days. And I know we, we may be ridiculed for our faith at school or at work or something like that. And, and some people might call us naive for believing things like we believe. But folks, let me tell you something. That's not persecution. That's not persecution. It always amuses me when some Christian in our land starts complaining about being persecuted for their faith. If we live in the Middle East, maybe. Or maybe in parts of Africa, maybe, but not here in America. In fact, in this land, it's the Christians who are more apt to be the persecutors than to be the persecuted. But Jesus knew that when he was no longer with them, the hostility that fell upon him was going to fall fall upon his disciples. And it did. Almost without exception, his disciples were imprisoned and tortured and killed in terrible ways. But I want you to notice this when Jesus prays for their protection. Because you see, when he prayed for their protection, he didn't pray for their safety. And the last thing he wanted for them to do was to go around armed to the teeth. He'd already taken a sword away from Peter. And I know that when we pray for protection, we're praying for nothing harmful to happen to us. We're praying for nothing painful to happen happen to us. That's usually what we have in mind when we pray for protection for ourselves or for our loved ones. But Jesus knew better than that. Because he knew that we live in a world of pain. And he knew that some pain is unavoidable. And he knew that his disciples would experience pain specifically because of their devotion to him. And there was no way to avoid that. So rather than pray that they would avoid all pain, what does he pray for? He prays for their unity. Unity. Now, why would he pray for that? Well, there's strength in unity, isn't there? There's strength in unity. When you have friends and family and fellow church members that you can turn to in times of trouble, then you can bear just about any pain or any turmoil in your life. And I would say that... that that the church is at its best when it provides that kind of support, that kind of oneness. Barbara Brown Taylor gives us an example of that kind of unity that provides a comfort and security. She actually gives us a couple of examples here. She says it's kind of like the the brain-damaged young man who shows up one Sunday and asks to become a member of the church. And as carefully as he tries to hide it, it becomes clear that he's out of everything. He's out of food. He's out of money. He's out of family to take him in. So how does her church respond to that young man's needs? 
Well, Barbara Brown Taylor describes it like this. She says, no one makes a big fuss about it. Very quietly, someone takes him to the grocery store and does some shopping for him. Somebody else finds him a room. Someone else finds out what happened to his disability check while someone else makes an appointment to get his teeth fixed. And you know what? Years later, he's still there on the front row on the right, surrounded by his family, the church. But Taylor isn't finished. She says it's also like the woman with a recurrent cancer who is told that she has six months to live. And so the church gathers around her and her husband and laying hands on them and praying for them and bringing casseroles and cleaning their house. Someone comes up with the idea of giving the woman a foot massage and painting her toenails red, which, which does more for her than any, any visit from a pastor. And the woman with terminal cancer gives her jewelry away. She lets her driver's license expire. She starts writing poetry again. She prepares to die. But instead... She gets better. And on Christmas Eve that year, she is back in the church for the first time in months with her oxygen tank slung over her shoulder and a clear plastic tube running under her nose. And after the first hymn, she makes her way to the lectern to read the lesson from Isaiah. Her tank hisses every five seconds. And every candle in the place glitters in her eyes. Strengthen the weak hands, she reads. And make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who, who, are, are, who have a fearful heart, be strong. Do not fear. Here is your God. And when she sits down, that congregation knows that they have not just heard the Word of God. They have seen it. They have seen it. Do you see the healing in that kind of of unity and love? Do you see the kind of security that is there it's the kind of thing that we all need parker palmer in his book titled a hidden wholeness reminds us that the journey that we are on is too rough to be made alone the path is too deeply hidden to be traveled without company and the destination is too daunting to be achieved by ourselves He reminds us that we all need places where we can be safe enough and courageous enough to face our own brokenness and to discover our wholeness. He calls them circles of trust. He says we need more and more circles from which we can return to the world less divided and more connected with our souls. This is the kind of protection that the church has always provided for threatened souls. The knowledge that we are not alone. 
the knowledge that people are praying for us. It is the protection of a loving community. It is a circle of of people who will pray for us and stand by us when we need the people to stand by us, when we need the strength and other people to hold us up. It is a safe place where people accept us even though they know that we are flawed. And I am proud to be a part of a church like that. Jesus prayed for our protection. He prayed that we would always have that kind of unity. Secondly, he prayed for our preservation. In other words, he he prayed that none of us would be lost from the fellowship of of believers. He he prayed that none of us would, would ever slip away from our faith in God. I love the way the, the psalmist put it. He said, for, for God shall give God's angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up. The angels shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Christ prayed for his disciples' preservation. Kathleen Lothert described a, a special conversation that she once had with her granddaughter. This was a a critical time in in Kathleen's life. She was uh, scheduled to have an operation in in several days. And as she was having her daily devotions, Kathleen was joined by her two-year-old granddaughter, Shanice. And after reading the Bible and, and praying, Kathleen began reading some information about the anesthesia that she would receive during this operation. And and the more she read, the more she realized how, how nervous she really was. Well, Shanice was standing nearby, and suddenly Shanice looked at her grandmother and said, Grandmom, show me the angels. And Kathleen looked at her with a puzzled look on her face and, and asked, Angels? What are you talking about, Shanice? And then Shanice pointed to a, a photograph on the cover of the brochure that Kathleen had been reading. And on that cover were, were three people dressed in white clothing. And, and Kathleen looked at her and said, no, honey, those, those aren't angels. That, that's a doctor and a nurse and a patient. And Shanice replied, yes, Grandma, angels. Well, her granddaughter's misunderstood, misunderstanding proved to be a powerful reminder that God indeed would give God's angels charge over her. And she decided right then and there that she wouldn't waste another moment worrying about that operation. Suddenly a a sense of peace flooded over her soul as she thanked God for the loving care that she knew that God was going to provide through his angels. Angels. My friends, we are surrounded by angels. Jesus himself holds us in the palm of his hands, and he will not let us go. He will preserve our souls, says the psalmist. He will preserve us to the very end. So Christ prays for our protection. 
He prays for our preservation. And then finally, he prays for our perseverance. He prays for us to be steadfast in the faith. And you can see why he prayed that for that uh, perseverance for those early disciples. Because the, I mean, think about it, folks. There was a lot resting on these disciples' shoulders. The whole world depended on them. These handful of people that Jesus was leaving behind, the whole world depended on them. If they had not done their duty to witness to Christ and His resurrection, then we would not have the faith that we have today. And this would be an entirely different world. It is impossible to overstate the difference that the coming of Christ has made to this world. Now, I'm not naive here, and I know what the world is like, and I know that there's a lot of terrible things that go on in this world today. But I want you to think about this. Imagine what it would be like if those disciples had not been faithful to proclaim Jesus' good news. Think about that for a minute. You see, it was Jesus who taught us compassion. And it was Jesus who taught us understanding and acceptance. And it was Jesus who taught us mercy and forgiveness. And it was Jesus who taught us to love our neighbor as he first loved us. And we respect the faith of others, but let me tell you something, folks. No other faith teaches people to love even their enemies. And think about what a difference that would make if all nations, including our own, accepted that creed. My friends, we would not have the gospel today if those early disciples had not persevered. But here is what we desperately need to see this morning. The future of our faith today depends on us just as surely as it depended upon them. Indeed, the future of the world may very well depend on us. I don't have to tell you, the world around us is changing very rapidly. Some wonderful things are happening in the world, such as tremendous, tremendous advances in medical technology. And the 21st century will see advances in, in every field. But folks, let me tell you something. There's one thing that will always remain the same, and that is the human heart. You see, we are flawed creatures. And our basic instinct is always to look out for number one. Even if, that, if, even if the result of that instinct is cruel to the well-being of others. It is simply what the Bible calls sin. And because we remain flawed, the future is uncertain. We can have heaven on earth, or we can turn this place into a living hell. It's really up to us. However, I say to you with all sincerity that this world will not be saved unless the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed throughout the earth. And you know what that means? That means that you and I need to do our part.
This is our purpose, to proclaim Christ and Christ's love so that the kingdom of God will come to this earth, a kingdom of peace and love for all people. How many of you have ever seen a greyhound race? Some of you have. All right. Did you, did you lose money or went? No, I'm, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not talking about buses. <laughs> A writer on the internet ex- explains how greyhound racing is different from horse racing. And he says that, that in greyhound racing, there, there's no jockeys. And, and so they have to use some other means of keeping the dogs running in the right d- direction. And so the greyhounds, they're, they're trained to chase a mechanical rabbit. You can see it there. That's a cute little rabbit, isn't it? <laughs> they're, they're trained to chase a mechanical rabbit that runs on a, on a little track. And the remote control rabbit goes just fast enough to stay ahead of the dogs to keep the dogs chasing after the rabbit. However, a few years ago at a racetrack in Florida, something funny happened. You see, all the dogs were were crouched in their starting boxes waiting for the start of the race. The starting gun sounded, the cage doors opened, and the dogs took off running after that mechanical rabbit. But after, as the rabbit was rounding the first turn on the track, something incredible happened. You see, an electrical short caused that rabbit to explode and catch on fire. And in a matter of just a few seconds, all that was left of that rabbit was some black stuff at the end of a wire. And when that happened, the dogs were so confused, they didn't know what to do. Most of them just stopped running. Some of them just lay down in the middle of the track with their tongues hanging out. A couple of them went on around the track, but without that rabbit to chase, they ran into a wall and injured themselves. Several of the greyhounds just started howling at the crowd. But here's the thing. Not a one of them finished the race. Not a single one of them finished the race. And sometimes I think that we in the church are kind of like those greyhounds. We've forgotten our purpose. We have forgotten why the church exists. It exists to proclaim to the world that Jesus is the light of the world. And he is the light of the world. Because where his love is unknown, there is nothing but darkness. And so, my friends, we must persevere in our work of witnessing to Christ and his resurrection. The future of our faith is at stake. But but even more importantly, the future of the world is at stake. Will the world one day live in the light of Christ's love, or will it be plunged into prolonged and perilous darkness. It's up to you and me. Christ prays for our protection that we will be unified and hold one another up when trouble comes our way. Christ prays for our preservation that none of us will be lost from the fellowship of his family. Because folks, his family, the church, 
remains the world's best hope for peace and, and reconciliation. And finally, he prays for our perseverance. That we will persevere in telling the world about Jesus and his love. So here's my challenge to you today. Here it is. I want each and every one of us in this room today to join Christ in his prayer for his church. Can you do that today? Can you promise to yourself, and not only to yourself, promise to God that you will join Christ today in his prayer for the church? Pray for the protection that can be offered through unity and love that we can offer to one another. Pray for preservation, even as people pull away from the church to pursue other activities. And pray for perseverance, the perseverance of the church, fulfilling our mission, proclaiming to the world in word and in deed that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, Just As I Am. We'll be singing verses 1, 3, and 6. And we come to Jesus just as I am, and we're grateful that we don't have to come any other way because as I am is all I got. But you know what? God loves us. As flawed, as messed up as we might be, God loves us loves us. Thank God. Let us sing.
Like Naaman, who gave thanks when he was restored to health, and like that tenth leper who returned to praise God when he was healed, let us go forth from this place with thankful hearts for the power that is at work within us. Endure any hardship that comes before you with patience. And trust in the mercy and grace of your Lord Jesus Christ. Live as true servants of God, proclaiming the good news that Christ is Lord. Amen. Amen.